1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on
0: Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we kick off a new week. Thanks for letting us be part of your day. I hope you had a good weekend. We're going to be talking about the weather this coming week with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Also kind of look into September as well with Bryce's long-range forecast. Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Gebert will join us today. Uh, last week at the Illinois State Fair, Rich had a chance to talk with Nancy Pelosi and Illinois Congresswoman Sherry Bustos about USMCA, and we'll find out what he heard from them about uh, their thoughts on whether or not it will come up for a vote and its chances of passage this year, and uh, we'll get the very latest on USMCA and some other ag issues with the president of the Illinois Farm Bureau. Also joining us today to talk markets will be Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We're going to start things off today with an uh, with old friend that we haven't talked to in a while, Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters. He used to be on the energy beat. We talked with him a lot about uh, the RFS and uh, renewable fuels and those issues that continue, and we'll get into that a bit as well. But he switched over to the political beat, to the campaign beat. Jarrett, thanks for joining us. How's that going? How's the how's the new assignment?
2: It's going. I uh, I uh I still get uh, entangled in the RFS, so it's not a, uh, a clear runway <laughs> just yet. I, I still, still, uh, s- still a little bit on the uh, we've got one foot in the energy beat. So, um, well, it it
0: comes in handy because that is an issue, especially in Iowa uh, with the presidential campaign and all the candidates uh, going in there campaigning.
2: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been fun. I was in Detroit for the debates. That was fun, and and and. Obviously, energy and RFS are going to play at least some role, if not a, a large role, in some of this stuff. So it it, it, it helps to come informed on some of these some of these subjects for for sure.
0: What did you think when you saw that the EPA had granted 31 more uh, waivers to the RFS after the president said he was going to be reviewing that policy? And uh, there were a lot of hopes in the biofuels industry that meant there would be a change. And uh, it turns out there wasn't. What did you think of that?
2: You know, my biggest takeaway, uh, Mike, is that I think it's it, it's a sign that the uh, the waivers are now an entrenched part of the system, right? So any idea that there's a political resolution to to the waivers is, uh, I think, at this point, that that, that option's closed. Um, so no political recourse for the, the ethanol community, and, and, and I guess now we turn to the courts here and see how how they, you know, how they judge the administration's actions and and are they in line with the law to me that's the only place where this goes now so there's no more knocking on the door of the white house there's no more you know trying to get um them to change their opinion this is uh two years in a row and clearly eyes wide open this time and the uh the administration specifically the president uh chimed in and and gave the green light to move ahead so i think that is the big to me the biggest takeaway
0: Yep, the battle is in the courts now. We're talking with Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters. Jarrett, uh, the Democratic presidential campaigns are starting to roll out uh, their ag policy proposals. Not a lot of details, but uh, some general uh, guidelines and outlines to what uh, they would like or what they are proposing. Uh, Have any of those uh, stood out to you? Uh, And do you see those uh, catching on with voters uh, where they're taking those messages to rule America?
2: You know, I, I think the one, one issue I've been, I, I think, by and large, the world plans probably all kind of sound the same. I don't think there's much difference between one and the other. They're usually a very broad-based ag, bringing broadband, Internet technology, um, education, a lot of things that, that, that are generally, I would call boilerplate at this point. You know, one thing I, I, I think to keep an eye on, particularly in ag, is, you know, the Green New Deal, and a lot of these Democrats have supported, and a lot of the senators are sponsors of the Green New Deal, and that, that essentially calls for the you know, the elimination of the ethanol industry. If you if you take uh, uh, internal combustible cars out of of the pool, you know ethanol is needs cars in order for demand. And uh, so I think there's and there's a lot of other ag issues that are intertwined in that Green New Deal. So I think one thing I'm watching is do those Democrats pay a price? Um, for supporting uh, the Green New Deal, even though it's somewhat of an ambiguous plan. Um, But, you know, their environmental policies seemingly would have some economic impact in rural communities. Um, So uh, certainly Trump and the Republicans are well aware of that. And and so I think they're going to play a lot of defense on, on that Green New Deal. And I suspect you'll see some loosening perhaps up to kind of that orthodoxy that they have in the primary on the environmental stuff and maybe, maybe come a little bit towards the, the, the kind of the middle ground um, because, you know, the, the, these industries that, they, uh, that, that are pollutant are, are also big job makers, right, and, uh, and that's undeniable. So I, th- I think that's something I'm watching
0: it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out um the president of course has enjoyed strong support in in rural areas and with farmers but with the china trade situation and the rfs and uh, of course just ongoing uh, downturn in the in the ag economy you ha- you have that but uh, can any of the democrats really capitalize on that and and, and break through or there cracks do you think in, in the president's support or do you or do you think that support will stay uh, strong uh, through the election
2: no i was in iowa maybe this time last year and uh, the trade war obviously was uh, top of mind and uh, i think there were they, you know they generally by and large i think they supported an aggressive uh, uh, policy against china so i think You know, there was some teetering, and I think people wanted some quicker resolution. Obviously, we don't have the the trade deal with Mexico. That's still kind of uh, in limbo. So I I do think – but those things are resolvable, right? I think you'll see some resolution. I think politics will force the Trump administration to find something, um, some piece there. The RFS is one that Trump has clearly taken a side on. And and so the question is, does he pay a price? And I I think he does. I, I, I think he does you know, the ethanol industry is in a free fall. You, can, you, could, you could argue why, right? Um, I think overproduction, there's just too much production. I think that's clearly one part of it. Um, the waivers, to what extent, I have not, you know, I can't, I can't draw uh, a, a straight line between those two. Uh, but clearly the ethanol industry does and, and has. So, and I don't think the ethanol industry is going to get much better over the next year. So I do think, you know, it, the, the waivers are going to be a boogeyman, and they're going to be a political boogeyman, and Democrats are going to seize on it. Um, and, uh, and I think the ethanol industry is going to use the Democrats as a kind of proxy um, in their fight. And, it, it, you know, so when two things happen, either Trump responds and does maybe something um, that helps out the industry uh, because, the, uh, because of the Democrats' attacks, or Democrats win uh, and they have you know, a full, uh, real promises to, to reverse track. So I think that's how we're going to see this shape up over the next 12 to 14 months.
0: It'll be interesting. Jared, good to talk with you again. We'll check in from time to time uh, during the course of this uh, political campaign. Thank you very much.
2: All right, no problem, Mike. Take it easy.
0: Good to talk with you again. Jared Renshaw with Reuters. All right. Coming up next, a complete look at the weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away, more Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
1: Okay. I only have 15 seconds to tell you about Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology, the new Dicamba Premix Herbicide from Syngenta. It controls tough weeds and soybeans like Palmer Amaranth, water hemp, and grass weeds. Actually, we're going to go longer because Tavium lasts longer. So you get all the power of Dicamba plus up to three weeks longer residual control than Dicamba alone. Whew. Now, time's officially up for tough weeds. Talk to your local Syngenta retailer to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology is a restricted use pesticide. Recently on Adams on Agriculture,
0: the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, joins us. We want to talk about the news late Friday when we learned that EPA has granted 31 more waivers to the RFS, and a lot of people very concerned about this. It's certainly not the support from this administration that has been promised, and a lot of uh, people uh, very upset about this. Mr. Chairman, thank you for joining us. What was your reaction when you learned about more waivers being granted?
3: Well, I was upset as much as everybody else.
4: And, uh, I think it tells you something when they release this uh, after hours on Friday
3: afternoon. And the most troubling thing about it is that they won't tell us why, you know, what the reasoning is. They won't give us any information about the filings. They won't even tell us what companies they give it to, what refineries they give it to, what the reasoning is.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
1: Have you or a loved one used Roundup Weed Killer and been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? You may be entitled to compensation. Call 800-966-3316. In an August 9, 2019 Bloomberg News story, it was reported that Bayer AG is proposing to pay as much as $8 billion to settle more than 18,000 lawsuits, alleging its Roundup Weed Killer was responsible for the plaintiff's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Strict deadlines may apply, so call 800-966-3316. That's 800-966-3316 for a free case review today You're listening to
0: AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around
1: the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's check in
0: with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, uh, last week you had a Kind of a favorable picture that you painted for um, rest of August and into September for the rest of the growing season. So has that changed at all? Are you still pretty favorable or not?
4: I think we're going to be able to hang in there, Mike. Um, there doesn't seem to be any real big uh, difference in how things were looking for temperatures uh, or for rainfall over the past uh, week. So I think that uh, we are going to be able to maneuver along. Uh, um, possibly uh, in large respect, uh, about as well as uh, can be uh, planned for, uh, considering how this year began.
0: We're seeing pop-up thunderstorms, uh, nothing really widespread. Is this kind of the pattern now for a while?
4: Sure looks that way. Um, There could actually be a a fairly big swath of uh, crop country all the way from northeastern North Dakota, uh, south to southern Illinois, and then continuing into the delta and uh, the southeast, that gets uh, some appreciable rainfall again this week. And, you know, we can peg it in the range of a half to two inches. Uh, That's a a large range over a large area. But because a lot of the uh, storms are going to be uh, kind of individual cells that develop, it's not really... A um, you know, one consistent round of thunderstorm action. Uh, There could even be some locally heavy rains in parts of western Missouri, eastern Kansas, southwest Iowa, southeastern Nebraska that uh, could bring a new round of flash flood potential into that part of the country that's already been very wet already this year. But uh, in general, uh, we're going to see some additional late season rains over quite a bit of the major crop areas i would say the only um, area that uh, is going to probably be uh, confidently drier and i see confident in terms of a uh, pretty assured forecast that things will be drier will be the immediate great lakes because that's where high pressure is going to settle in and kind of suppress uh, ac- action on rainfall uh, development but otherwise uh, we're going to see like i say unsettled conditions Periods of rain, uh, light to moderate, maybe locally heavy, mid-August, you've got to think that there's going to be some crop benefit, probably will, at the very least, keep things from going downhill more, and there could even be some uh, benefit for soybeans if there is late flowering and and, uh, pod development that is happening. Although I know that we have a real uneven crop with a lot of uneven conditions, and that extended into how crops uh, flowered and pollinated as well. So it's by no means just a given that, you know, this is going to be a blanket improvement considering the way everything is.
0: Yeah, a lot of areas could use some moisture, but you mentioned these locally heavy spots. We've seen that where or, or some places just get, you know, several inches in a short period of time and, uh, you know, and then somewhere not very far away from them will, will get much, much less
4: yeah that's a funny thing about this uh, particular late summer uh, we 've seen it before and and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the the occurrence of precipitation uh, is uh, right now uh, kind of dependent on making use of localized moisture uh, inflow and not um, and not really being able to to, uh, take advantage of any uh, large-scale round of uh, incoming moisture out of the Gulf of Mexico. The air pattern is not necessarily bringing in a whole lot of Gulf moisture into the picture. And so because of that, Mike, we do see a lot more localized uh, precipitation development from that. You know, when the Gulf is is a real active player, you're going to see widespread rainfall that has a lot of similarity in terms of its amount, but when it's not, then uh, things are a lot more varied. Uh, occurrences are are far more scattered, a lot more patchy, and uh, that's uh, kind of where we find ourselves at this point.
0: What about temperatures?
4: Temperatures are still going to have a, uh, a track of being near to below normal over the Northern part of the Midwest, Uh, we've seen that uh, quite a bit this season. We're going to see it again. We're going to get a lot of highs in the 70s in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And then uh, temperatures in the 80s over quite a bit of Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. And uh, then you get farther south and west, uh, Missouri, southern Iowa, Kansas. A lot of temperatures are going to be in the 90s. And, in fact, uh, today it's going to be – It's going to be hot enough that there's going to be some heat stress potential because of uh, the heat index value likely uh, topping 100 over that southwestern part of the Corn Belt and then running all the way south into the Gulf Coast. So we can't rule out stressful heat. And then you get farther southwest in the southern plains, Texas Panhandle area, temperatures are easily going to be over 100. So there still is a big contrast. Uh, over just a few hundred miles, from fairly mild conditions all the way to stressfully hot, it's uh, a remarkable contrast that has stayed with us for quite a while now.
0: I know you're coming to visit us here in Illinois next week for the Farm Progress Show. Uh, right this week and over the weekend, we're, we've had humidity, uh, uh, you know, humidity levels. And numbers higher than the temperature. I mean, this morning it was like it had rained, even though it hadn't, because it was just so humid.
4: Yeah, that that, that real oppressive uh, humidity can, uh, you know, can can be stressful in and of itself, and we're certainly feeling that. Uh, the the, uh, you know, that's just uh, to me an indication of uh, of how overall wet. Uh, this uh, season has been, and I know there's dry topsoil and everything, but there still is uh, plenty of kind of ambient moisture around, to, you know, to get uh, in the way and, and cause uh, these these types of conditions. And uh, it's, a, it's a challenging environment. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, you, you get uh, any of our South American visitors to Decatur next week if these conditions are like that, they're going to think they're back home, and uh, they won't be surprised at all.
0: Well, I'm sure farmers are going to have a lot of questions for you next week at the Farm Progress Show. They're going to want to know about uh, fall weather and and frost dates and things like that. Uh, uh, Where can people find you next week at the Farm Progress Show, and when will you be speaking?
4: Well, we are in, I want to say, booth number 360, Mike. We're we're in the uh, southwestern part of the grounds. We're actually not too far from the University of Illinois, Uh, set up uh, that's uh, on the uh, west side of the grounds on the north-south street. And uh, Todd Holtman and I are going to have uh, market and uh, weather-related discussion at 9.30 and 1 each day, uh, starting next Tuesday, the 27th, and then on the 28th and 29th. And then, you know, we'll be around, uh, you know, visiting with folks and probably hearing a, a lot about how conditions are just, you know, so crazy. Um, Pam Smith, my colleague, our crops technology editor, went to a field along the uh, McLean-Ford County line uh, near Saybrook, Illinois, late last week. And, uh, you know, she and and, uh, the producer who she was with uh, pulled, I think, uh, eight ears of corn from the same field, lined them up side by side. Pam took a picture of them, used them in a blog. They were just all over the place, all the way from tolerable to, uh, you know, where did this come from, you know, that type of thing. So I I think that we're going to hear a lot of discussion uh, kind of uh, on that topic next week, just how patchwork everything is.
0: Yeah, I think you will. And as you talk with farmers from various states or different parts of the same state, you're going to get different stories.
4: Yes, I will. And, uh, you know, you get, uh, you know, too far to the north, And there's going to be a lot of stories, well, and probably east, too, a lot of stories about uh, how late everything is. That still is a big concern. Um, I think that frost dates, by the way, are going to be on a normal uh, schedule. But considering how late everything has been this year, uh, we're still going to have crops racing that frost date to maturity because of uh, just how how slow – Uh, the whole season has been, and so even a normal first frost date is likely to be too early for a lot of places in uh, this crazy year, 2019.
0: Yeah, a lot of uh, folks hoping for a later frost date than than average this year that'll be needed, Uh, because as you say, if it's uh, normal, it's going to be a problem for a lot of the crops. Well, Bryce, thanks a lot. We'll see you next week in Decatur, okay?
4: Sounds good, Mike. Look forward to it. Thank you.
0: Very good. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, as you heard, he'll be speaking each day of the Farm Progress Show next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, in Decatur, Illinois, the 27th, 28th, and 29th. I'll be there throughout as well. We'll talk more about that as we get closer, where I'll be broadcasting from, and look forward to talking with a lot of you that will be coming to the Farm Progress Show. Well, last week I saw Rich Gieber, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau at the Illinois State Fair. He had a chance to talk with some congressional leaders about USMCA. We'll find out what he learned. That's next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
5: she was very
6: concerned it was very unsettling for her it's important for you to talk to someone about it to bring the family in on it i felt so much better after my son told me mom i don't want you to worry or be afraid i'll be there for you and we'll figure it out
5: when something feels different it could be alzheimer's now is the time to talk visit alz.org our stories to learn more A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
7: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and oil seed sector early on a Monday, a bit defensive. Corn futures trending five to six cents lower an hour into the day. Six to seven lower in soybeans. Chicago wheat four to five and a fraction lower as well. Forecast calling for perhaps scattered showers Tuesday in the western Corn Belt. Showers, thunderstorms possible over southern areas on Wednesday. Eastern Corn Belt episodes of scattered light showers Monday, Tuesday. As you just heard from DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson, there could be some benefit for crops from these conditions. Not a blanket improvement, but still some benefits. November, new crop soybeans down 7 cents at 8 73 December corn down five and three quarters at 375. Minneapolis spring wheat September down a penny and a quarter, trading at 505. Chicago wheat September down four and three quarters, 466. Kansas City September down a nickel at 389. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures were trending higher. Nearby August up a dollar twelve at 10105. October live cattle up a dollar twelve at 9917. Feeder cattle, September contract up a dollar thirty two, one hundred thirty three seventy. October up a dollar fifteen at one hundred thirty four dollars even. That's an asking price. Cash Cattle Country, quiet so far to begin the trading week on this Monday. In Lean Hog Futures, October up a dollar twenty-seven, sixty-three twenty-seven. On Wall Street, the Dow is up two hundred thirteen points. NASDAQ up ninety, S&P up twenty seven. September crude oil up 61 cents in New York, 55.48. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network.
6: My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction. Plus, the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early, like they did with my mom. Donate today. 800-745-3327. 800-745-3327.
0: Last Tuesday was Ag Day at the Illinois State Fair. I had a chance to talk with Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Giebert. And then the next day, Rich had a chance to talk with uh, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, and Illinois Congresswoman uh, Bustos about some ag issues, especially trade. And joining us now to talk about that is Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Giebert. Rich, thanks for being with us Uh, Interesting conversation you had with a couple of key members of Congress on the Democratic side. What did they have to say about USMCA?
8: Well, thank you very much, Mike. Good morning. Oh, uh, What they have to say is, you know, our point of interest was, is, and we really want to thank Sherry Bustos for, for assisting in getting, you know, 10 minutes with the speaker, Madam uh, Speaker. But it was great to talk about the USMCA and how the stress both, uh, physical, mental, and financial stress out here in, the, in rural America where we need some help. And I encourage her that we need a quick win with the USMCA. This would give us a little light at the end of the tunnel, you might say, if we could get this passed sooner than later.
0: We have heard about some concerns by House Democrats, some things they want to see addressed before they would vote on it did she bring those up and mention uh, any of them in particular and where they might be on negotiations on those
8: well uh, you know my ask was is that we that as soon as she you know in the, and the house returns from their august recess is that she would call for a vote on the usmca and uh, get it done sooner than later but uh, she raised the point that you know there was some concerns and she is very complimentary of Trade Ambassador Lighthizer uh, sitting down with members of, of her caucus, particularly um, some committee members that have an interest. And she pointed out that she appointed those committee members that were open to a conversation and didn't have their mind made up in opposing, and, and there was no way that they would vote no. So that was, that was a good sign, and talking about the issues that were important to her and her caucus uh, had to do with um, uh, verification and making sure that if the agreement goes south or some issues that they can be addressed and dealt with. Pharmaceutical costs was also very important to her and her caucus, as well as uh, labor issues, both uh, in, in Mexico and how you get the verification that Mexico was moving forward uh, to, um, to address those labor, pay issues, and and other working conditions and and the such.
0: We're talking with Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Gebert about his conversation last week with House Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi about USMCA. So you you came away, it sounds like it's still a positive feeling that this is on track to get passed.
8: Absolutely, And, and I was encouraged by the comments that she made. And talking with Sherry Bustos, uh, earlier in, in the day, um, she made a comment that that Madam Speaker really wants to get this done and not turn it into a political issue, but keep it on on the forefront that this is important not only for agriculture but all of commerce in the United States with our two trading partners to the north and south.
0: So probably it won't be voted on right away when they get back. Uh, you. Did she give any indication when it could come up for a vote, though?
8: No, she did not. But I was very encouraged by talking to the chairman of, of the House, house A Committee, Colin Peters, a couple of weeks ago. And he seemed to think that, that the speaker would call it sometime in first part of October. But that was his thoughts. Then the speaker made no mention of when she would call it.
0: All right. So, Rich, as you've talked with your members, is trade at the top of the list of concerns right now? Obviously weather and the challenges of this growing season, but as far as on an issues basis, is trade at the top of the list?
8: I would say so. You know, you take out the weather part. You know, we've got a number of our members that have really stressed to me uh, last week at Ag Day in Springfield and, and as I travel around the state you know, timely rains, and there's parts of the state that have not had a real measurable rain since the sixth or seventh of July, and this is a pretty critical time as late as this crop went in the ground. But I would say trade is is right up there. We've been encouraged by um, uh, Japan loosening its 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 hold on beef and allowing more beef in, in into Japan. I had a conversation with uh, S- uh, Senator Duckworth. Uh, uh, Earlier last week, and their group, or she, she should be in Vietnam and Thailand today, talking about American agriculture and Illinois agriculture, as well as the Governor Prisker. I met with him on Ag Day, and he is sometime in September heading to Japan and uh, and you know see what he can do for Illinois uh, in Japan. But it's really important that we get a trade agreement, a bilateral agreement with Japan. And with the other Asian countries and get something done here with the European Union, knowing that China is going to be a pretty much a long haul.
0: And then a, an ongoing uh, topic and, and challenge and critical issue is infrastructure. Uh, in your conversations with members of Congress, has that come up at all? Are we going to see some kind of a comprehensive infrastructure bill?
8: Well, the speaker did make comment that she really wants to see some type of infrastructure bill put together. She mentioned a number of times, and talking with the speaker and other members of the House, as well as with the governor and state legislature, is to get rural broadband, or get broadband out into rural communities uh, better uh, than what we have it here today. We're in a technological era, and there is so much technology in our equipment today. And, you know, if we're going to... Out here in rural America, be um, apart, um, and be. Co- we need to be connected. That's how the world functions and operates today.
0: And then, Rich, uh, in those conversations as well, um, uh, there's so many issues. Did RFS come up in the state of the biofuels industry? Obviously, Illinois uh, is a big player in uh, in the renewable fuels industry, and and what's happened with these waivers is certainly hurt the ethanol industry, and it hurts uh, Illinois.
8: Absolutely. No, uh, the speaker did not make mention of of the waivers or RFS, but we have been diligently working with corn growers and National Corn on how to improve that and make changes. Uh, Next week I'll have an opportunity to sit down with the secretary for a few minutes and discuss with him how important um, uh, ethanol and RFS is in, in American agriculture and to curb the use uh, of these waivers and not to you know be extending so many waivers uh, as we've seen here in the last two months.
0: Talking with the Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Giebert. Rich, um, with all the challenges uh, farmers are facing right now with the economy and with weather and these trade issues. Uh, What's the mood that you're picking up? Uh, do, you, do you feel the patience is running thin? Uh, uh, what, how would you describe how farmers are feeling?
8: Well, it, it, um, I would say it's it's up and down. Um, you know, it, it, if you get a time of the rain, you feel a little bit better. If When they got things uh, a bit more lax there in Japan and allowed more beef into Japan, you know, they, they were upbeat. And then when they saw, you know, the president and administration lifting the uh, two thirty two tariffs to Mexico and, and China, they began to be very optimistic uh, going forward. But then when the tro- talks broke down with China a couple of weeks ago and been on and on like you turn on a water tap, um, it's been like a, a seesaw ride, you might say. And but I'd seem for the most part, agriculture recognizes that. What the administration is doing uh, needs to be done, Um, has been attempted to be done by, what, three previous administrations, but we're never able to get to it. But uh, the jury's still out, Mike, and uh, we we need to get a a quick win here to uh, give us some, uh, as I said earlier, some light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah, passage of USMCA, a trade deal with Japan and China, those would go a long ways towards uh, changing uh, people's outlooks, wouldn't it?
8: Absolutely, along with no frost until mid to late (laughs) October.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As you talk with farmers around the state of Illinois, you got uh, in such a diverse state anyway, from uh, north to south, but uh, you've got conditions and crop conditions just all over the board, right?
8: Absolutely, and you can see it in the same field, whether you drive in, you know along I-70 or 64 in Southern Illinois or drive along I-80 in, in northern Illinois or I-88. There's really been some real challenges. I'd be interested to see what um, the crop tour uh, finds out this week, and we'll see if NASA is close or not so close. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Got a feeling a lot of uh, your members... Uh are a little skeptical of those uh, numbers that came out of the, that, that August report.
8: Absolutely. Last Monday morning, about 11.05, my phone lit up like a Christmas tree. Hmm. Wondering to no, know how could they come up with a report like that. And, you know, that's one of the other topics of conversation next week when, when Secretary Purdue is, is in Decatur for the Farm Progress Show and, and holds a roundtable panel with a number of invited uh, farmers from around the state of Illinois or around the country.
0: All right, Rich, it was good to see you last week at the State Fair, and we'll see you next week then at the Farm Progress Show in Decatur.
8: Thank you very much, Mike. You have a good day and a better week. Uh,
0: all right, take care. Thank you, Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Gebert. So uh, it sounds like in his conversation with House Speaker Pelosi that things are still you know, on the positive side towards getting – USMCA passed. It's still got a ways to go and some issues to work out, but uh, sounds like so far so good on that. We'll see. Uh, We're going to talk markets next with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net, so stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up
6: 180 over 111 and i had a stroke when i woke up i couldn't speak or walk
7: 145 over 92 and then i had a heart attack
6: 182 over 100 and i had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke everything changed
5: it felt like my life was over this is what high blood pressure sounds like You
1: might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent.
5: 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works
0: for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org.
5: I head had to toe. Everything's changed Head to toe. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date?
6: Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together.
5: Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim. Uh,
6: you should wait 30 minutes.
5: Mm, okay, <laughs> tell me what to do.
2: Especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a
5: car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad
6: Council. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov drugdisposal.
1: In the fight against resistant weeds, you need to be prepared to fight back with the best possible herbicide rotation available. Kick off your soybean spray program with Syngenta's Pre-Emergence Residual Herbicides. Boundary or Broadax XC. Follow that with the hard-hitting post-emergence knockdown and residual herbicide Flexstar GT 3.5, and you'll be giving your soybean fields the protection they need to win the fight against weeds. To learn more, visit your local Syngenta retailer. Always read and follow label instructions when using Syngenta products. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain Sleet and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokyBear.com. brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Recently on Adams on Agriculture,
0: joining us now is the Senior Strategic Advisor for the Renewable Fuels Association, Bob Deneen Bob, I mentioned earlier... If this is the administration's idea of supporting the biofuels industry by granting more RFS waivers, I'd hate to see uh, what they would do if they weren't supporting the industry.
3: Well, you're absolutely right about that, Mike. It is uh, baffling to me when you see how rural America is really struggling these days because of Mother Nature and trade policies and other policies from this administration for them to reward the most profitable industry on the face of the planet right now, oil, uh, and, you know, essentially have uh, U.S. farmers subsidizing the oil industry. Uh, it, it makes no sense. It makes no economic sense. It makes no policy sense. And I don't believe it makes any political
5: sense for the president.
0: For the information important to rule America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from
1: around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: Let's talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, good to talk with you. Uh... Everybody kind of calmed down a little bit from the crop report last week?
2: <laughs>
3: well, uh, I think everyone's just hoping for a little bit better week, but obviously we're uh, starting off on the wrong foot. But, uh, yeah. you know, it wouldn't take much to have a better week than what we saw last week. So,
0: Well, the focus now will be on uh, results to uh, crop tours going on. And, uh, you know, that'll kind of be where we'll look at, right, between now and the next crop report from USDA?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, given that the USDA uh, wasn't in the field there in August, uh, obviously this pro-farmer tour has got a little bit different flavor, and I think people might look at it a little differently than what they have in the past concerning the USDA, uh, USDA was in the field in the past. So uh, people are interested to hear what's, uh, what, what the tour has to say. I think Ohio and South Dakota, neither were expected to be uh, – uh, you know, a, a terribly great crop by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't think anybody's going to be surprised if they uh, maybe come in a little lower. I think the big, uh, you know, the big three of Nebraska, Illinois, and Iowa are going to be the ones people are most interested in. And I and I, and I have to think Illinois is going to really struggle to get to that 181 the USDA said uh, they thought that they'd see.
0: Here we are now, August 19th, and especially, I, I guess, more so on beans, we really don't know yet, do we, because uh, so much could still happen.
3: Yeah, on beans, the thing is, uh, I think the people need to remember is that beans are daylight sensitive. And so, uh, you know, these soybeans, especially like your Group 3 soybeans in our part of the world, uh, they're going to be shutting down here pretty soon. And uh, I don't care if the ground's wet or if it's dry or whatever. I mean, uh, once they start shutting down, there's not much you can do for them. And so... You know, a lot of these beans didn't get a lot of growth to them. That doesn't mean that they won't be good yielding. You can have short beans that yield fairly good, but uh, it's going to be awfully tough, especially in our part of the world, to see yields anywhere close to what we saw here uh, in the last uh, couple of years, especially in 2018.
0: So do you think traders, the markets, focus on that USDA crop report from last week, or will they start paying attention to uh, some of these private tours that are going on?
3: Yeah, I don't know how much attention they're going to trade. Uh, Uh, pay attention to uh, the private tours. I think the pro-farmer tour is probably the one that people pay most attention to. You know, I saw DTN last week had the Grow Intelligence or Grow. uh, I can't remember exactly what the name was. I think that's what the name of it was. But they were looking at, uh, you know, thermal imagery and whatnot. And they came up with 163.2 for national yield on corn. And that's a little closer to kind of what I would be thinking at this point. Uh, You know, and they were below 45 on soybeans. For me, I think it's really tough to get this soybean crop within three and a half bushel last year, and that most people uh, most people were able to have, uh, you know, uh, really good weather, you know, as far as uh, as far as their soybean uh, planting, not only uh, planting but you know throughout the growing season. And so, I don't know. To me, you've got to be uh, well off of that three and a half bushel uh, drop that the USDA said. Uh, but at the same time, we've seen a lot of rain come across the Midwest here. Uh, you know, in the last few days, and so our, my part of the world, we were dry as a bone up until a week ago today, you know, and then we were able to get uh, uh, over the over the week anywhere from two to four inches of rain uh, on the on the farms that we've grown, so uh, certainly welcome, and I think that the beans probably uh, benefited more than what the corn would have uh, considered. A lot of this corn's pretty, you know, uh, it's been hurt a little bit as far as yield's concerned.
0: We're talking with Matt Bennett from Illinois with AgMarket.net. So, Matt, Mother Nature has given us uh, uh, a set-aside this year. I mean, with the the acres not planted, reduced yields on those acres that are planted, Uh, we came in with big stocks, especially on soybeans. Will this reduction be enough to uh, give us a more bullish outlook price-wise?
3: That's a tough call, you know. The thing is, is that uh, you came in uh, with substantially lower crop sizes than, than what we've seen here, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. Uh, uh, for instance, last year, you know, whenever we compare, uh, you know, total crop size, Uh, Corn uh, is off a half a billion bushels from last year, currently uh, forecasted, and then beans off 860 uh, million bushels. And so we're already looking at significantly smaller crops than what we were a year ago. Uh, Yes, uh, the uh, prevent plant acreage, uh, the drop in acreage, uh, especially for soybeans down well under 80. Uh, should be a bit of a boon, but at the same time, we know that we've got for a fair amount of soybeans on hand, both in the U.S. and in the world, and then demand, of course, is a big question mark uh, given what's going on with China and ASF. So, uh, for me, uh, I hate to get uh, uh, too bullish or bearish, uh, but I will say at this point, until we find out, you know, what this soybean yield is going to be, I've got to think we're going to have some support under this market because I think the crop could shrink by a fair amount still.
0: Yeah, I think the frustrating part when, when farmers look at fields either not planted or or crops not nearly as good as usual and uh, just wondering why the price isn't higher than it is.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing is, Mike, you've heard it several times, I'm sure, that this market can't go down any farther, you know, and anytime, yes. anytime someone tells me that, I just say the market's going to do what the market wants to do. Uh, You know, and I don't think anybody's too concerned on whether we make money or whether we don't make money. And that's the unfortunate reality. And so right now, we're in a pretty tough spot. There's no question wherever we look at these prices versus, for instance, even the insurance prices uh, that we put together last February, uh, you would think that we're in a worse situation than what we thought we might have been back then. Uh, But at the same time, we haven't seen any uh, any positive momentum on trade uh, with China uh, you know, and, and bottom line, demand has been rough. So uh, whenever we look at the dollar uh, staying as strong as what it stayed, it's just been really tough for us to get any corn or soybeans exported, especially with the Chinese, out of the ballgame.
0: Looks like as with all the anticipation of the August report last week, this September report the USDA comes out with should give us uh, more information and hopefully more accurate information.
3: Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is that they're actually going to be out in the field this time. And so, you know, for me, uh, relying solely on uh, surveys and uh, thermal imagery, uh, I really struggled, I guess, to to be able to say that I had a ton of confidence in that report. Now, yeah, I was disappointed just like everyone else was. But uh, let's just hope here in September we get a much more accurate view. And as far as most of your listeners are concerned, maybe a little bit smaller production estimates.
0: All right, Matt, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Take care. Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net. That wraps it up for today. Have a great day. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.